Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Atmospheres Electric. I'm Rich, your friend. How are you, buddy? I am. How are you? Very good, mate. You're uh, already feeling festive down at end, I believe. You've already got, you haven't gone as far as the Christmas jumper, I'm hoping. No, just Christmas Baileys. Christmas Baileys. That's not bad going. It's, it's five o'clock somewhere in the world is the phrase that people tell me at this time of the day when they're drinking. I believe that's the phrase, but I'm off work, aren't I? So drink whenever you want. Drink whenever you want. Uh, it might make your football insight even better. Who knows? It can't make your predictions any better. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what are you going to say? It can't get any worse. <laughs> Listen, you're doing all right. Uh, you just need to really start backing the, your predictions in your five pound challenge. Is really the, the advice. That's that needs to be your 2024 resolution. Uh, is how can you make it better? Actually, start backing your tips. But mm. before before we uh, get into any of this stuff, there's only one place uh, that feels right and proper uh, to start, and that's obviously sending our uh, best wishes to to Tom Lockyer and his family and everything that everybody connected to to him in in what must have been a really scary uh, and horrible sort of situation for everybody in the stadium to go through. Uh, but it seems like the good news is that. Uh, he seems like he's going to make a full recovery. Whether he ever plays football again or not is secondary, but it looks like he's through the worst. It looks like he's going to be okay. Yeah, it's great news, isn't it? It's not something you like to see, um, especially for somebody that's happened to him before. Yeah, it really was uh, quite scary. and touched the whole football community and it was great to see. The cynic in me says, would everybody have been quite so happy to walk off the pitch if, if let's say, Bournemouth had been winning 4-0, with it being one all? Felt like a, a very easy decision to make, didn't it? Because they're going to replay the game in full as well. Uh, so I'm not sure how that works for the fans. I'm sure they'll, they'll get their tickets back, etc. And I'm sure that'll be a, a great occasion in terms of, uh, you know, kind of commemorating the the action and, and making sure that everybody was obviously thanked for, for all the hard work they did. But uh, yeah, I did wonder whether if it was 4-0 to Bournemouth, whether they'd been quite as so customary and coming off. But all in all, all's well that ends well. And, and like I said, we wish Tom a, a speedy recovery. And... Whether he makes it back onto a Premier League pitch or not is kind of secondary. I know he'll have a job at Luton for a very long time if he can't play football again. I'm sure they'll make him part of the coaching staff because, again, what it does show you, though, doesn't it, is that Rob Edwards comes across as just being a man that, that gets it right every time, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's going over to the um, to the home fans as well, you know, clapping them for being how respectful they were. Like I said, it just shows what a nice bloke he is. And if that wasn't uh, tough enough, in the weekend where, where the, the only guarantee in life was bright and both teams to score ended... Uh, we're going to start with what was ended up being a snooze fest, dull as dishwater. So I don't know if it'll be here for very long. But obviously everybody, uh, including all of my accumulators over the weekend, expected Liverpool to, to, to give Man United a right good shoe-in. Was it Liverpool being bad or was it a good game plan from Man United? I don't think Liverpool were bad, just on the amount of chances they created, shots they had, um, possession of the ball, chances that were conceded against them. I don't think they were bad at all. I think the game plan for United worked, whether or not it was the right game plan for them. You know, I disagree. I don't think going to Liverpool and basically going there for a nil-nil draw, they got exactly what they wanted. So you could say it was a good game plan, but the Manchester United, they shouldn't be doing that. I get they're in a bad situation at the minute, but they've still got players that can hurt Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have been conceding goals, so I found it a bit of a strange game plan. But the game plan that they implemented worked. So they went there for a point. They got the point. Interestingly, so obviously I think that, that we all got a little bit carried away by by the Liverpool 7-0 Man U game of last season, didn't we? And thinking that that could happen again. And and what I learned after the game was the XG for the 0-0 was almost identical to the XG for the 7-0. Hmm. Liverpool had 34 shots on Sunday, eight on target, uh, 68 and a bit percent possession. So actually, when you break down the stats, they, they made nearly tripled, certainly over double the passes that, that Man United made. You know, this was just really a case of final third toothlessness, wasn't it? They, they were just lacking something in that final third to, to open up what looked on paper a bang average Man United back four. We spoke before the game, didn't we? And we said that's got to be one of the weakest United 11s you've seen in years. And it did. It looked an awful 11. But I thought as, a, as an 11, they defended well. You know, they were set out to defend. Had a couple of chances. Didn't they have one glorious chance, actually, for Hoyland, who possibly could have nicked it for them. But, yeah, I mean, the chances that Liverpool have, I mean, I know they had a lot of shots, so it's quite hard to remember them all. But I can't really remember any that were like massively clear-cut and you could have gone, oh, they should have scored. You know, it was a glorious chance. A lot of them were just sort of, snapshots or headers from corners. So in that sense, 
I don't think they deserved to actually score, really. I don't think it was down to poor finishing. You know, like I said, not a lot of the chances were clear cut for me. I think United did a good a good job on them. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, it didn't feel anything more than a nil-nil, really, did it? Even watching it no. sort of, you know, as we did, it felt like, you know, I, I think by the 60, sort of 65th minute, I was convinced it was going to be a nil-nil. It looked like a nil-nil. You know, normally, Liverpool's strength is they can pull somebody off the bench that makes a difference, whether, you know, whoever that might be, even a Harvey Elliott, you know, in recent times has come off the bench and, and scored important goals. Even that didn't look like an option on Sunday. They just looked like it was maybe the end of a, you know, a cycle. Obviously, there was a European game midweek where they didn't take all their players, and you know the commentary team picked up on that quite a bit. Where they talk about maybe that disrupted the flow, but something just wasn't quite right for Liverpool, was it? No, for me it was the, the tempo of their attacking. So they were full on attacking constantly. They were the only team who looked like they were going to score. Um, but they didn't really cut United open. It just seemed to be possession of the ball, moving it left to right, you know. And eventually, you know, there was a lot of long balls played over the top, which was swept up by the keeper or headed easily by the centre-halves. So I just thought it was the tempo of the game. I think they actually, I thought Roy Keane sort of nailed it a little bit. Probably not with what he said in in his uh, analysis, but he said that Liverpool looked a bit arrogant. I think they did rock up there just thinking they were going to turn up and win, which I think then highlighted the the tempo wasn't quite as high as it needed to be to actually cut through it. You know. I, it was a block of six or seven players, wasn't it? And you do need a high tempo, move the ball quickly to be able to cut through them. I think the whole world was convinced Liverpool were going to win. Mm. So you can't blame the Liverpool players for thinking it too, you know. And actually, you know, probably did Ten Hag's team team talk for him, didn't it? And, you know, it is literally us versus even the Man United fans in the stadium didn't think that Man United were going to get anything out of it. You know, there, there wasn't a single person that didn't think Liverpool were going to win that comfortably. Uh, so that maybe did his team talk for him. And again, that's what I think, man, you know, I need to get back to you. Alex Ferguson in his heyday was great at, at making it us versus the world. Same with Jose Mourinho when he was at Chelsea. He did the similar sort of concept. You know, those managers that create that siege mentality, bring that, unify that team together, then actually anything's possible. Now, man, you know, I need to go and make sure they win this weekend off the backs. Now, so you get a draw at Liverpool, you get a win this weekend. And before you know it, that momentum started to roll. You've got a January transfer window. You've got new ownership coming in. You've got a new sporting director coming in. Actually, if you can pick up a couple of good bits in January, before you know it, Man United could all of a sudden just start to to pick up that, that you know, that, get that snowball rolling down the mountain, couldn't they? Mm. And I think when you look at the table as well, I think there's a bit of a misconception. So I think everyone does feel that they're underperforming. I think that's fair fair to say. But there's a bit of a, a feeling that they're, they're performing badly in the league. They're in seventh, which sounds bad, but you look at the points. If they win, they can go up another. They can go up another place. And actually, they're only then three points off Man City, which is just considering, you know, from where we thought United and City were in previous weeks, like chalk and cheese, they're not actually that far off. They're in touching distance of the top six, um, you know, and then just another win off the top four. So, yeah, you know, a couple of good transfers, a win on Saturday, a couple of good transfers in, in the window. They're in touching distance. So that's the way I definitely they need to be looking at it because, like I said, it's not like they're in the bottom half and they're, you know, they're out of any European fight. They need to ensure that they win on Saturday and they say go from there. We've gone early with our Chelsea's the yardstick uh, reference. Uh, I didn't have it quite as early as eight minutes in, but uh, you know the difference is that if, if Chelsea have a turn, uh, which maybe last night's victory against Newcastle in the League Cup might well do, they're still eleven points off of fifth and twelve points off of fourth. Like you say, Man United they have a quick twist, put a couple of wins back to back. Like you say, very quickly you can see them overtaking both Newcastle and Spurs. You know, Man City obviously have, have got this weekend off where they're obviously away in the World Club Cup finals uh, and before you know it, like you said they could be on top of them by the new year and, and it's it's going to have a very different feel isn't it and you know uh, actually interestingly there's not a huge amount of Premier League games in January and I know that they play Spurs in the middle of January which I think is their next league game after the Christmas period and so that could be a really interesting toss of a coin for one of those teams to either kick on or fall away couldn't it? Yeah especially when you look at the other teams with all of them around them seemingly dropping points you know, it's quite a regular occurrence now that you look around and one of the other top teams are dropping points. So, yeah, if you could put a little run together, teams around you dropping points, before you know it, like you said, you could be on top of a few of them. Yeah, big game this weekend, which we'll come on to a bit later. But the, the other talking point from the game uh, happened right at the end. Uh, just be interested to get your, your, your steer on it. Obviously, Diego Dallo getting sent off uh, for essentially back-to-back descents. Uh, I don't know how you know when one descent stops and another one starts, but maybe you know, maybe I have, I have to be fair. I haven't heard what he said, so I, I don't know. But where, where do you stand on that being a sending off, or do you think that was just a yellow card would have been enough? 
So uh, first of all, I want to make clear that it's me who runs the Twitter account and not you. So when I was tweeting my opinion, which was, I think it was an absolute disgrace of a sending off. Um, that's my opinion, not yours. However, it sounds like you agree with me. So just so people are aware. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was an absolute disgrace of a decision based on, firstly, the referee got the decision wrong in the first place. It was a throw into United, not to Liverpool. He was the main cause of Dallow kicking off. So actually, he should have realised that quickly and then realised his mistake and actually why he's done that. He didn't just turn around out for any reason and go berserk because it was blatantly obvious that it was a throw the other way. Like you could phys- like you could see, I know we had a better TV angle, but it got kicked against him. So I just thought he should have recognised that he'd kicked off in that way because it was blatantly obvious that it was that he got it wrong just by the way that it kicked off. So I thought it was a, a hugely down to the referee. But then to give him two yellow cards, I thought just absolutely rubbed salt into the wound. Like I thought it was a disgrace of a sending off, to be honest, especially then when you look back through the game, there was various people um, mouthing off at the referee and the, the, the most famous one was the Nunes one, wasn't it? When he got booked, he turned around, clapped the official, like, where's that consistency again? But, you know, you could literally record that we do record this episode, but you could record this episode, cut a part of it out and we could literally paste it into every single week, couldn't we, about consistency? So, I mean, I don't know any, any more that we could say about it. Yeah, the, the other one that jumped out as consistency for me, different game jumping across, was was the, the so far uh, assault, I'm going to say, uh, that didn't even get uh, kind of mentioned really during the game, didn't get VAR'd or didn't appear to, uh, where he literally took the Wolves player out with a, with a, with a stiff oh. arm across, across the cheek with a, with a side swipe as well. And yeah, I, I, I don't know how you tackle it anymore because it's getting dull, isn't it? Like I say, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I have a different view on VAR in the sense that I, I don't like it, but but maybe for different reasons to you. But but genuinely at this stage, I think just let the referees ref the game. Let's just go back to how it was because actually, you know, it was just we're having the same conversation. If it stopped the conversation, if it stopped the debate, if it gave it consistency, if it meant that we were, you know, every team was getting the same results off the back of the, the officials, not the same results in terms of the match, uh, then it'd be worthwhile. At least then we would mm. say there's cause there's a level, there's a line. Everybody knows if they walk across on that pitch and they say that it's a yellow card, you know. We go back, some players have been booked for diving this season, which have led to suspensions. Other players have not had a booking at all for, for diving. It's just every single thing, penalties, handballs, offsides, everything, there's no consistency on any of it. No. What I thought was interesting was I put a poll on Twitter and it got about 75 votes. Um, and it was just, are you in favour of VAR? So keep it, get rid of it. And it was about 55% was in favour of keeping it. But then I had a conversation with somebody... Um, who had obviously voted on the poll, and it was good back and forth, and they they were wanting it, but they were saying there's nothing wrong with VAR, it's the people operating it. So then I was arguing back, if you want, discussing back to say, well, no, I agree with that, but the problem is until you get those people fit for purpose, what's the point in VAR? I, I agree with you. I think we should just go back to, if it's going to be in that sense, it's, it's an opinion, give it back to the ref until the VAR is fit for purpose again. Because I don't. there's nothing wrong with the VAR, it's just the laws and the way it's being operated. You know, this will be uh, run by AI in the next five years anyway. Mm. It can't Let's do any well, You can have it run by monkeys and it can't do any worse at the minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair point. Okay, so uh, the other sort of breaking news, sort of big news this week, and it feels a little bit harsh off the back of a, a 2-0 defeat. And again, this feels like a lifetime ago when Spurs went to the county ground. Uh, sorry, city ground, sorry. How that's going to get me in trouble with someone, yeah. Wrong side, uh, to the city ground. Uh, 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 you know, really, should a Knotts Forest manager be getting the sack after losing against Spurs? Uh, or do you think actually this was just he was just waiting for the next defeat and it, it happened to be Spurs? And you know, and also moving on from that, you know, if Nuno Espirito Santos is the answer, I don't know what the question is because surely there's got to be somebody else that can do a better job at Knotts Forest than him, surely. I'm not entirely sure to be honest. I mean, we've gone the first point of, I, I do think that they were just waiting for him to get the sack on the basis that, you know, the results have been poor for quite a while now. They were quite fortunate last season that they went on a good run. Um, I do feel for him, he's lost Johnson, he's lost um, a one year, the forward who's been their main goal scoring threat. And without those players, they have looked toothless and they've not really been replaced, have they? However, it's very difficult for. To, to get a manager who's going to come in at that level and be able to produce attacking goal-scoring performances. So I can see why they've gone for uh, Nuno, because he's a very defensively-minded coach. 
and they probably look at the, the squad that they've got at the minute and feel the best way is to not lose games rather than to outscore the opposition. So I can understand why they've gone for him based on the job that he did at Wolves. The job that he did at Spurs was obviously horrendous, but I think that's a different kettle of fish to the Forest job. Yeah, he, he didn't tear up many trees in Saudi either, did he? To be fair, like it's you know it's. I actually believe that when he was at Wolves, he was the right man in the right place, mm. in the right club. And I, I felt he did an amazing job there to get Wolves back into the Premier League. You know, with everything he did, obviously at the time, they were heavily supported by a certain super agent that was, you know, mm. turning them into a, a version of the Portuguese national team. But uh, again, that's not any sort of, of his fault. You, you, can, you can use the players that you've been given, right? But and I just feel that when, when you've got that special bonds, that, that, Steve Cooper had with the fans, they would have gone on the journey with the club. I feel now what, what you've mm. done is you've, you've ripped that out from the fans and they're going to be looking for reasons to turn against Santos. Whereas with Steve, like even at 5 0 at Fulham, which they should never be losing 5 0 at Fulham, they're all still singing his name. Like, I, I just think, you know, you've only got to be the fourth worst team in the Premier League, haven't you, for not for us this season? Like, you know, stay up, get past this season. I think next year that, that they, could, they could go on and, be, and become established once you've done that second year in the Premier League. I don't know, it just feels wrong to me. Do you not think, so we've been talking about the three worst teams in the league, haven't promoted teams um, ever, but when you look at them now, they're not, especially Luton, Luton aren't far off Forest, are they really? Like if they were to play each other next week, like who, who would you be backing really? And I think that's possibly where they've got to. They're probably looking over the shoulders a bit and going, where are our next points coming from? You know, Luton are picking up points. You know, The other two really aren't, but... They're not that far off them, really. You know, a win or so, and they're breathing down the necks again. And I can't see where Forest's next points coming from. So I think they've just thought January window. We spoke with this last week. January windows come in, get him in in time. You know, he's got a, few, a couple of weeks now to work with the player to get his ideas across, and then he can identify his transfer target. So I can see why they've done it now based on the timing. I think the timing is right to sack a manager and give a new manager a chance. Whether it's right that they've sacked him is a different question. It's definitely happening, isn't it? The championship has been some movement going on. You know, Sunderland, obviously, I think that's an interesting situation. Obviously, Plymouth manager has just gone to Stoke. You know, there's definitely some movement happening. And again, no doubt it is with the January transfer window in mind. But you just look at that not as far as squads. And like I say, I've said to you before, I know somebody that works with the board as an advisor and they were looking for three players in every position that were Premier League quality or better. And essentially... You know, Steve Cooper still didn't know his best team last week. You know, if you'd asked him who his best eleven was, the only probable certainty would have been who his centre forward should be. And as you've rightly said, he's out injured. Mm. Uh, so what what chance has Nuno got coming in? You know, uh, the last thing I think, you know, the only other team that I can think needs new players less than than not as far as Chelsea. But ironically, <laughs> they both spent all that money and all the players, and they both look like they need a, a four or five new signings. Mm. I think the only thing you can look, when you look at Forest squad, I do feel it's going to suit Nuno down to a T, just because. They do look defensively sound, as in they've got a lot of defenders there, good players as well. I look in midfield, and their midfielders are defensively minded. Fields look at Sangar. Sangar's a really good player. He's come from, I think, came from PSV. Looks a really good player defensively as well. So I do feel that, you know, if he's going to play that 3 5 2 or 5 3 2, whichever way he, he opts to go, is that he's got the players to defend well as, as a unit question for me is how are they going to score goals because he is a very defensive minded coach and he hasn't really got somebody like a Brennan Johnson who can run the ball up the pitch 30 yards his only attacking threat is um, Morgan Gibbs-White who I really like he's a really good player but he's effectively playing as the only attacking player in that team at the minute and one person can't run your, your whole attacking output can they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they looked toothless. They had a good sort of 10, 15 minutes after half time on Friday night uh, where Spurs looked a little bit rattled uh, and actually, of course, went and scored a goal that was disallowed for offside. Uh, but, you know, again, you're not going to win, in my humble opinion, football matches with Anthony Alanga and uh, Gibbs White as your centre forward pairing. You know, it's miles off what it needs to be. And so, you know, even like a Divock Origi, like, how is he not getting on the pitch? Chris Wood, like, you know, just have a have a focal point, have somebody that's... Because, that's, again, Spurs will give you chances, you know, if we, go, if we talk about that game specifically, you know, to have somebody in and around the area. Like I say, I don't know. I, I, I just think that when you've got that bond, that can get that that can pick up points on its own. Like, you know, and again, like you see, they, don't need to, they don't need to finish fifth or sixth. They, they need to finish mm. 16th. 
But the one been... the one thing that I can compare it to sort of of a bond is Leicester when they sat Ranieri. Like what more of a bond could you have got from somebody who's won won them the league in the position they're in? But he's still got the sack. So I think if that if Ranieri can get the sack, any anyone can, regardless of the bond. I think um owners now obviously it is, see it as a business and see it if you get relegated, you're losing hundreds of millions of pounds. Like so I do think regardless of the bond, they are they are gonna take the punch to try and keep a team in the league. Sad state well, of affairs, but yeah, it's always happened. It's, it's not. It's not. It's definitely not the first Premier League manager to get sick, sacked, sicked, sacked before Christmas. Uh, like I say, I just think that sometimes, you, yeah. Anyway, I said my, yeah, we'll see. And I hope for for Notts Forest fans who are bizarrely have quite a lot in my circle, uh, it'll be great for them if it does work out. And I'm sure they will get behind Nuno as much as they did Stevie Cooper if he does a job and keeps him up. You know, moves him into mid table. And you know, get some good players in, and, and I'm sure we're all as thick as each other, right? You know, we'll, we'll support whoever's leading us to victory. Uh, one team that's gone uh, by us, at least, and, and, and definitely not in the wider world, but but certainly we've we've underreported and underfocused on is, is Aston Villa. Uh, now it was no great surprise that they beat Brentford. Uh, we I, I tipped them, you tipped them. You know, I had them in everything that I did at the weekend. I was fully confident that Aston Villa were going to win. Uh, Surely we now have to start talking about them though as as potential Premier League winners. Are they going to win the league? For me, no. But yes, you have they have to be spoken in that way. You know, they've beaten beaten Arsenal a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? And now they're in and around the the title challenge. So yeah, absolutely they need to be spoken in that in that sense of title challenges. Um are they going to go on and win it? Not for me. Um I spoke to somebody who was at the game and they said Villa did not deserve to win that game. They said they were really, really poor. They said a draw would have flattered them. But you win a game like that when you're not playing well, it shows you that you're a very good side, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, and again, go, let's, let's go back to the, the, the result because I think that's a really interesting... So uh, their last five fixtures, they beat Spurs. They should have been out of sight. Spurs should have been falling up at half-time, right? So mm-hmm. but, but Aston Villa won. And, and we can do all that jazz, but they got the three points. Uh, you know, Bournemouth away, tough fixture these days, two all. Beat Man City keeping a clean sheet one. Beat Arsenal keeping a clean sheet one nil. And then you go to Brentford. That is a tough place. Brentford don't lose many games at home. Nope. So to be so to, to pick up thirteen points out of those five games, how can we honestly say they're not? What what, what is making you think they can't go on a win? Because they beat Man City, they beat Arsenal, they beat Spurs. That's three of the top five. They're the other one. The only one I never beat is Liverpool. Why, why, why are we not taking them seriously? I just don't feel that they've got the team to be able to do it. I get the point. You know, I'm not saying they're not title challenges. They absolutely are, and there is a, they can win the league. Whether or not I don't, whether they do it, it's just a, in my opinion, they definitely can win the league. Like I said, they're winning games. They're when they're not playing well. It's a sign of a good side, isn't it? So imagine Ollie Watkins gets injured. I think their forward out put then is completely done. Obviously, they've got a January window coming as well, and they can. You know, in this position, they should 100% be going to strengthen the team. Got a great manager. There's absolutely no reason why they can't win the league. They're a good side. I just feel that the teams around them are better than them. And in the, in the, the longevity of the season, they'll collect more points. But what a great season they're having. I, I think we're, we're all uh, doing a little bit of like a, like a younger brother sort of mentality. I think, you know, and again, we, spoke, we did speak about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the, the job he's done in the 12 months. He's only been there 12 months in reality and that they were relegation battle this time last year. You know, we talked, Eddie Howe got a whole bunch of plaudits for the kind of turnaround he, he did with Newcastle. But actually, this is possibly even bigger because there wasn't the, the new ownership that came in, albeit they came in before Emery got there. Uh, I, 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 but, you know, we can say what happens if Ollie Watkins gets injured, but but what happens if he doesn't? Like, you know, there's two sides to every every piece, isn't there? And yes, of course it can happen. But I think they've handled the European adventure better than most of the other teams in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. It seems to have, you know, they've, they've rotated to a point. You know, they've they've definitely picked up some injuries along the way at the weekend. They had some suspensions. You know, I was a little bit worried about, I think it was Douglas Luiz and Luca Dinho were both out through suspension. Moreno comes in, you know, they've just got, you know, Paul McGinn's having a season of his life. You know, Leon Bailey chips in. Diaby's gone a bit quiet now, but you know was was fantastic at the start. You know they've just got options across the pitch. They've got a great goalkeeper. You know defensively solid. You know they've only conceded sixteen goals. No, that's not true at all. Sorry, apologies. Twenty-one goals uh, this season, which is you know right up there in terms of you know quality. That they're, they're scoring goals. They've scored more goals than both Arsenal and Liverpool. 
uh, and the, the second highest goal scorers in the league. That's a recipe for success, is it not? Absolutely, and that's that's why they are where they are. I just feel that the teams around them have got bigger squads, more capable of of winning big games. I'm going to be really interested for January for them, though, because in the position that they are, let's say they win on Saturday as well. You never they could be top of the league after the weekend. I think they've. I don't know when they're playing Saturday, Sunday. So um, after the weekend, they could be top of the league. And in that position, you've got to go big in January. You've got to go out there and get some further players. That then you know, I'm saying they haven't got the squad. If you're in the, I mean, the third at the minute could be top. If you're in that position, come the January window, go out and strengthen your squad to ensure that you've got the squad to be able to then you know, cope on the European front in the Premier League. A couple of suspensions and injuries here and there. That, they've got to do that, haven't they? So they, they play Friday night, bizarrely. Uh, so okay. they're, they're, and they've got Sheffield United at home, uh, which you'd have to say is about as good a home banker as you can get. They then go to travel to Manchester United uh, in that sort of gap between Christmas and New Year. They are Boxing Day. Yeah, they're on Boxing Day, the 8 o'clock kickoff on Boxing Day on Prime. And then on the 30th, uh, they actually play Burnley, uh, Burnley at home. So again, you'd have to imagine that's nine points. Definitely, definitely a minimum of six, you'd say, wouldn't you? With the Manchester United game being tougher, but you'd have to fancy Villa to beat Manchester United at the minute. So yeah. Then they do have some. Then they've got Everton away and Newcastle at home. So you know the next three games are going to be massive. If they can get six, seven, nine points out of those three games. Uh, you know, like you say, a good January window, uh, win the third round of the FA Cup, so they're, they're still in that. They've obviously got through the next round in, in Europe. You know, uh, what an, and, and is Emre a, a challenger for, for manager of the season currently? He's got to be, isn't he? Oh, definitely, yeah. He's probably, well, I think, I think you'd have to say he is the manager of the season at the minute. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And again, you know, we spoke about all these teams around them that have had injuries, you know, with Man City currently or without De Bruyne or Haaland. Doku that, that seems to be causing them some trouble. You know, I, I'm not hearing any of those noises come out of it. They just get it done. They just get on with it. Like it's, uh, it appears to be from the outside looking in, which again, as we spoke about last week, could be the name of the podcast. Uh, a very well run club right now. Absolutely, is a very well run club. Um, you know, appointing that that manager as well at their period in time when they were really struggling, looking at relegation is. It was unthinkable, wasn't it? But they went and got him. We've also got a, a new director of football, I believe, who's really well thought of. And yeah, the signings they're making are just really sensible signings. Don't think they want massive money as well. So yeah, really well run the club. Monchi, was it from Seville? Mon- yeah, Monchi, yeah. Was him? Yeah, him. Okay. Uh, we've got a really interesting sort of set of fixtures coming up now because they're, they're sort of spread across, uh, well, essentially four days. Uh, but there is only one place to start rightly or wrongly. You know, we've spoken about uh, Liverpool, Man U, but they now host Arsenal in, in what could be, a, not a title decide, that's a stupid thing to say, but certainly give us an indication of how both teams' title credentials are, are looking like right now, wouldn't they? I think so, yeah. Abs- one absolute game of the weekend, but two, yeah, I mean, you'd have to say whoever comes out of this, if somebody comes out of it with three points, possibly is the t- title favourites. So with Man City faltering the way they are and teams around them all dropping points, I think whoever does come out of this, especially with, if it's a performance that you know catches the eye as well, it could be a you know, 3-0, I think you'd have to say title favourites. The interesting thing for me is that if you look at Man City's next bunch of fixtures, they don't play a team, they only play one team in the top nine in the next three months, I think. And a drop point here forgetting whether it's title favourites Liverpool or Arsenal, a drop point here, and if you think about how, you know, Man City are in crisis, but actually get Haaland back, get Doku back, De Bruyne is, you know, not a million miles away. They could go again in January, easily go on a 10-match winning run. I'm not sure Liverpool and Arsenal have got that in them this season. So I, I think this is a must-win in terms of putting that distance in there now because Man City are going to be clawing it back pretty quickly if they're not careful. Yeah, I think Arsenal are capable of doing that. You know, I think you know what what we've said about Aston Villa. Um, they've seemed to be winning games when they've not played well. They seem to be you know digging deep and winning games. So I think out of the two, Arsenal for me are the biggest threat to the title. Still, you know, we flopped onto Liverpool, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago? I, I still think Arsenal are well in that. I think the, the squad that they've got, Odegaard has started to tick again. If you've noticed, he's been performing better of, of recent weeks. 
they go again in our uh, in January as well. I think they're the biggest threat. I think they they have the ability defensively and defensively to to win games consistently. Yeah, again, I think it's an important point for us. And again, we we get loads of stuff wrong. Of course, we do. When you open your mouth, you you've got a fifty percent chance of getting it right or wrong. But but Declan Rice was somebody that I believed was was potentially whoever signed him, give them a real head start in the in the Premier League race. Uh, and he's he's been nothing short of a phenomenon, has he, this season? Not only in terms of defensively with Arsenal having the best defensive record in the Premier League, but he's chipped in with important goals at important times. He's picked up points for the team. He looks like a leader. You know, he looks like he's been at, at Arsenal for, for years. He, I can't even, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago he was at Arsenal. He's only been there a few months. Like, mm. he just fitted right in, hasn't he? And, and, and what, a, what a player he is. I think what's happened with him as well is I think he's it's odd. I think he's been the biggest cause of Odegaard's poor form. I think because Odegaard has had to work back so often previously and do his defensive side, I think he's just had to shift his game a little bit, which didn't suit him for quite a few weeks. Um, you know, we, we were saying he's in such bad form, but I now feel he's getting to grips with how Rice plays and he's ending up to being in little pockets. So I do feel that Declan Rice is going to have a massive influence on Odegaard over the, over the next few weeks. And yeah, I mean, his form generally over the, the season has been amazing. So yeah, um, if he can keep that up and Odegaard then picks up form and they can start combining together in that midfield, I do feel they're a massive, massive threat for this title. And do you think that's where... Obviously, we've spoken a lot about uh, you know the Liverpool signings and that midfield three that have, have come in. Do you think that's where the game will be be won and lost? Well, so most games are won and lost, to be honest. But do you think that's where the game will be won and lost on on Saturday evening? No, I don't. I I think it's definitely going to be the forward lines, as in the, the, the centre forwards. Jesus seems to be picking up form, and Nunes is, if we're being honest, is off it at the minute. He's not really. I don't think he scored a goal in a long while. Um, it, it could just come down to, as an example, Saka versus um, Salah and whoever whoever scores and creates the most chances. So, I, you know, I think those midfields are obviously very good, but I think they could cancel each other out. But when you look at the forward lines of both Liverpool and Arsenal, especially after Liverpool's performance against United, you'd have to say that Arsenal, at the minute, their forward lines tick in. Martinelli's coming into form. Saka's getting assists regularly. Jesus is scoring goals. So I think you'd have to say that it's the forward lines that are going to win this game. I think it's fair to say we all thought there would be uh, a bunch of goals on Sunday, uh, which obviously turned out to be very, very wrong. Uh, this one, though, it's not going to be nil-nil, though, is it? This one's going to be a high-scoring affair, surely. I think so. I think you'll see a few goals. We'll save it, though. Don't don't tell us what you think it'll be. Save it. Uh, awesome. There is, of course, uh, the, the weekend starts Thursday, which is unusual, uh, in a, a derby that those not involved don't see it as being a derby. Uh, but actually, a, a very interesting game. Uh, nonetheless, obviously, Brighton, for the first time in, I think it was 35 games, didn't score at the weekend. So so that run has ended. Uh, Palace need, off, off the back of getting an amazing draw at Man City, uh, still need points. Uh, Brighton, now playing free-throw football, Palace still misses some players. Do you think this is going to be a Thursday night cracker? Do you think this is going to be a great way to start the, the, the weekend off? Or do you think this is going to be a, a, a dull, tight derby where, where one goal nicks it? I think it'll be a tight game. I can't see it being free-flowing and lots of goals. Um, you know, Palace have been quite poor recently, even though they have stepped it up in the past two weeks against Liverpool and City. Brighton, Kings have both teams to score, aren't they? I know they, they flopped on the weekend, but um, yeah, I, I can't see this being a hugely entertaining game, but it is a local rivalry, so you know you might see a challenge flying in that gets everyone going. I still think it'd be entertaining, but not from the, I don't think free-flowing football you'll see. I think you'll see two very different styles pitted against each other, which could cancel each other and out. If, if Palace was to lose, obviously, you know, we spoke about Notts Forest making decisions. Uh, you know, Palace running on 17 points, you know, three points ahead of Notts Forest, who have obviously decided to to fire their manager. If they were to lose a, you know, a derby, uh, 17 points, you know, if Luton were to, to nick a win against Newcastle, which depending on which side of this coin you sit on, uh, depends on whether you think that's possible or not. Yeah, what, what, do, what do Palace need to do? Like, because it must be pretty, or is just staying in the Premier League, that's it. You know, like, the, the Palace need to go and get three or four new players uh, or maybe sell one of their better players to, to kind of fund that or do they need a new manager? Like, mm. what, what do Palace need to do to kind of become relevant really in the Premier League? So I think I think initially they need to get their injured players back, don't they? They need to get Elise 
Um, they need to get Eze back on the pitch. I mean, it's going to be crucial for them going forwards, isn't it? We've obviously just signed them both up to long contracts, I believe, as well. So that's really important. Like we said last week, it doesn't mean they're going to stay, but it means they could get top dollar for them if they're sold. Then I feel, you know, last year was a big year for them. They had a lot of players out of contract and also over the age of 30, which, you know, they released their best player in Zaha. Um, I think they've almost got to go again, haven't they? You know, they did that this year and have brought in some new players, but they've got to go again and get in a, a crop of new players as well. And it's especially younger players, because I said, I think they're one of the most ageing sides in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think they need they need a couple of windows where they, they can um, highlight a couple of young, good players to add into that squad. And whether you get them in now, give them some experience for next year. But I, I think they need a bit of youth into that side, but definitely some some attacking output from midfield and they need a centre-forward. But, but, uh, yeah. but defensively, yeah. they no, generally look okay, don't they? They've got and- Anderson and Gwehi at the back. I know there's rumours about both of them possibly leaving, but generally at the back, I think they're pretty solid. They've got a decent goalkeeper. Like They've got Tyke Mitchell at left-back, who's pretty solid. It is just going forwards that you take Eze and... and um, Alise out of that side, yeah, they do look like they've, they haven't got anything, have they? They've been relying on Jordan Ayew, who is pretty much a, an average Premier League player, and that's not to say it's not a good player. It's, you know, you won't rely on it. You most, I, I would imagine most sides wouldn't be in a queue to sign Jordan Ayew, but he seems to have been the most consistent player of late, and I think that tells you everything about the direction they've been travelling recently. Yeah, I'd, I'd like Palace to go and be really aggressive in the loan market and go and get some some those sort of European sort of superstars in the making, if you like. Go and be go and be the ones that unearth the next batch of, you know, obviously Mbappe sounds a bit dramatic, but you get my point. Like there's loads of good quality young players out there. Get them in on loan. Don't don't commit yourself to long term contracts. But you know, I'd because the Palace fans are amazing. I, I would lo- I would love for them to go mm. and you know get some really exciting wingers. You know, like say whether it's I'm being blinded by Zaha, but I always sort of remember even back in the day they had uh, John Solarco and uh, you know, they've always had like kind of tricky wingers and, and a centre forward that was there kind of scoring headers. I, I just feel like if I, if I go back through the history of my memories of Crystal Palace, I always feel like I've seen a big number nine scoring headed goals from a wonderful cross from a from a tricky winger. Mm, Benteke of previous years. I know he wasn't on, on song there, yeah, but just, that's just, sort of Yeah, just player. go and, you know, have a real go. And, and you know, I, I'm not a Roy Hodgson fan currently I, th- I think obviously back in the day when he was doing what he was doing I think but I think it's time now for Crystal Palace for me I'd love them to see a, a, a young manager go in there with a style of play uh, you know Ipswich manager uh, but you know so, so someone that's going to ch- change the trajectory of that club to make them you know what, why, why, why could they not do what Brighton have done and go and qualify for Europe if they get it right mm. I think what's interesting from their perspective is they had a go at that didn't they with Vieira but I don't know why they thought Vieira was going to be the man to turn that around because I don't think he's done a good, uh, you know, a stellar job in any of his previous jobs. So it's not like he's gone into somewhere. You mentioned Kieran McKenna at Ipswich. He's absolutely flying at the minute. That's the sort of profile they should be going for. Somebody who's got a previous experience of turning a club around and making them fly in, in the lower leagues. Vieira never did that to me. So it feels like that they feel they think they've had their fingers burnt. But... I think they just got the appointment wrong. So I, I agree with you. I think they should go back into that well, but select the right person this time, you know, in the Kieran McKenna mould, someone like that who's actually, it's going to be a step up for them and then they can implement that style of football onto yeah, what, the team. What, what Palace needs to be looking for is somebody that's performing in a league on a budget, the league beneath where they're playing. Yeah, or or similar level abroad. You know, I mean, the, the immediate one I thought of was Xabi Alonso. Now, I, I don't think he'd, he would absolutely go to Palace, but previously, you know, if they were around mid-table and they're performing well, but there's other managers who've had a similar sort of experience in other leagues. You know, in the Spanish league and stuff, you could go and get those managers whilst you know whilst they're showing that improvement. Now, you know, Alonso's at the level where it looks like he could possibly win the league. They've got no chance. But if they'd done it three or four months ago, absolutely, he, he might have everything I've heard. Uh, and I've heard it a lot, is that Ancelotti goes to Brazil in the summer to be the Brazilian first-team manager and Alonso's going to Real Madrid. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you say, mm. going back to our point about picking up players early before they're, before they're famous, if you like, they need to do that with a manager. And I just think that actually, you know, everybody I speak to expects Ipswich to fall off a cliff for a couple of reasons. Firstly, squad size. Secondly, players burn out because he, he plays a very similar sort of... Uh, energy to Bielsa and players generally at the end towards the end of the season start to struggle 
And I just think that actually, if you gave him a hit at Premier League football now, he might jump. Because uh, again, he's not an Ipswich lad through and through. I mean, he's not like he's, he's steeped in Ipswich history. Uh, I, I think it might be the right time to try and go and get him now, personally. Exactly that. So if they, were, if they were to allow him to get to the end of the season, and let's say they come you know, first in the championship, as an example, there's no way he's going to Palace, is there? Whereas you go now, like we said, now's the time for, for manager sackings, isn't it? You give somebody a window to, to get a couple of players in. If they were to go now, he's had a year in League One where he's absolutely flew through the league playing unbelievable football, and he's, and he's had the second best start in championship history. So why would you not be looking at someone like that to take your team forward? Yeah, I think he's the obvious outstanding candidate for a team like Palace or even teams just around them, just to say, he's the man. He's proven that he can do it at, you know, in League One level with no money. Like, what an unbelievable job he's done. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And as you mentioned, you know, it's ironic, isn't it? It's the second best ever start to a championship season but they're still second because the team that have now got the best start to championship season is in the same year and, and, and above them. And, and, you know, it's going to take a brave man to bet against those two teams going up directly uh, straight away. And uh, I was actually around a lot of Leeds fans on uh, Monday night when Leicester were playing and, and they were all getting very, very nervous that Leicester keep picking up points. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Do, do you think, I know we've touched on this this season, but but do you think, let's say... Leicester, Ipswich and one of Southampton or Leeds come up that they'll have a better chance of staying up than the current batch that are in there now. Absolutely. I think if you were to look at the squads of um, Leicester and Leeds when they came down, they were still, you know, still had Premier League quality littered within the squad, didn't they? Um, you look at Leicester who sold huge stars in Madison, Barnes, you know, various other players. They've still got a squad which is far too good for the championship, and the same with Leeds as well. You know, you look at Somerville's far too good. Nonto's a, a great player. We've got other players in in that squad as well who are very good players. I think just the starting point of what they've got at the minute is possibly better than what the other teams have been promoted. You add into that a January and a summer window as well, where they're going to be looking to sign players. I just think their starting point is better. Ipswich is a different case because they obviously haven't had the Premier League squads coming down. But I think with their trajectory and the way that they're playing, you know, coming from League One going forwards, if McKenna was to stay, I think they'd have a better chance as well just by their style of yeah, football. Yeah, no, I can't disagree. Uh, the only thing for me is I, I can't, I'm not, I can't get made around Daniel Farker. He's not a Premier League manager for me. He, he is unfortunately a. Mm. If we go back to the old method of you know the Premier League being Division One. Division two, he's like a one point five. He, he, he's too good for that league, but not good mm. enough. He's, he's 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 the managerial equivalent to Dwight Gow. <laughs> very, very good analogy, or whatever the terminology uh, he's, is. For he's that. too good for one league, but not good enough for the other. Uh, mm. The game that's really fascinating me uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, to see how they react uh, to obviously the, the, the horrific events of, of, of last weekend. Secondly, Newcastle just been knocked out of uh, the League Cup by Chelsea on penalties late last night, having seemingly got the game completely locked down. Newcastle also have just been knocked out of the Champions League. They've started to kind of get beaten in the league a little bit. I've got a real feeling for this one that this could be an upset of, of epic proportions. I think it's, the, it's probably the wrong time for Newcastle, both emotionally and physically to be going to a team that are going to look to beat them up. Luton are going to be up for this, in, you know, in, in, in honour of their captain. You know, I, I think this is going to be a really, really tough afternoon for Newcastle. I agree. I think it will be a tough afternoon. I am tipping Newcastle to win, which means get your money on Luton. So whatever you've got, house, cars, whatever it is, get it on them. Um, but I do feel, you know, just, just the ground, you know, they're not going to have much width there, are they? The fans are on top of you. It's going to be a very, very tough afternoon. And if if, New, if sorry if, if Luton were to, to to get a win, do you think this could give them the springboard to kick on? Obviously, you know we've, we've both been really excited about what they've done, but they've got Sheffield United on Boxing Day. You know, could they get six points out of six? You know, then they welcome Chelsea, and they've done pretty well against the big guys. And it seems like the sort of fixture that Chelsea was struggle against. You know, you, you, you could. Could I? I, I? Was I just about to say you could see Luton getting nine points between now and New Year's Day? That sounds a bit crazy, but you know, it's possible, isn't it? It's definitely possible. I think they're the sort of team, especially at home, they can beat anyone, can't they? You saw how good of a game they gave Man City. Like, just 
it's so compact. They make the game so compact with their style of play as well and the high levels of fitness. Pressing. I think they're a really good, solid side. It's just for me, it's just it's just the goals. And I, you know, Newcastle previously have been pretty solid. I'd, I'd think they'll struggle because I think Newcastle themselves are pretty physical. I think out of all the top sides, I think Newcastle are probably the most physical out of the lot of them. So I feel that that physicality threat will be nullified by Newcastle. But, I mean, I can't see them winning. But I think they could definitely pick up points. And, and what do you think... Like obviously, we, we know it is the, the injuries that, that Newcastle are suffering. But do, do you think there's more? Do you think there's something else going on behind the scenes? Does it feel like Newcastle are starting to unravel a little bit, sort of psychologically, or do you think this is just purely? Obviously, there's there's some vicious rumours going around about sort of some of their private lives in terms of what what has or hasn't gone on and what might be affecting their performance. Or do you think this is just purely? No, nah, I don't worry about any of that noise. This is just purely a they're they're, they're physically ruined and they're battered and and they just need to get some bodies in. I th- for me, I think it is that, um, especially now, now they're out of Europe entirely, I think you'll probably start to see their form pick up a little bit, along with their players coming back. I know they just got Dan Byrne back, didn't they? Which doesn't sound big, but that's a big, big thing for them. You know, he's been a regular player for them consistently. And I think as you start seeing these players coming back, along with them being out of Europe, I think you may just see them pick up back to those pressing levels of what they did last season. Um for me, they just haven't pressed. When they when they've lost, they've been they've been battered, really, haven't they? It's because you, they haven't been pressing the opposition. Which when they've been playing really well, they don't give teams a second on the ball. Um, but you know, some teams. I remember Everton went there, absolutely battered them, ab- completely outran them, and that's you would never been able to say that about a Eddie Howe Newcastle side. I wonder whether that was a psychological when you mentioned Dan Byrne you said big about five times I didn't know whether that was uh, you know big player big yeah whether that was meant to be a, a play on words or whether that was by mistake but uh, he is tall mm. Joe I think's interesting there though is Livermento has played at left back and for me he's been their best player week after week after week recently I think he's been really really good he's actually a right back isn't he and Trippier has been playing game after game after game. He's been making mistakes. He looks absolutely shattered. I think the obvious pick for me is there. Now, Dan Burns back. He played the other week. You know, he's, he's clearly fit. Stick him in. Give Trippier a rest. Put Livermento at right back. And then, therefore, you're getting that rotation. Because I think where they've just been playing players consistently, they just look shattered. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think with the, 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 the news that he's breaking around Kieran Trippier's private life... Uh, as well, I think that, that they'd be very wise. And again, I have no evidence whether it's true or false. It's none of my business, not my job. But but ultimately, uh, if it's out there, it might well be true. And therefore, uh, yeah, to give him a bit of time off to go and deal with that, make that work. And uh, like I say, Livermento looks like a, looks like the real deal. Looks like somebody that could, uh, you know, if I was, uh, we've spoken on here a couple of times, like Jurgen Klopp going sign a right back to, to free up Trent. You know, there's your solution. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks a proper player for me. I'm a bit annoyed. As I say annoyed, annoyed is probably not the right, right word. That um, He's just another English right-back, isn't he? Why is he not left-footed? I just have somebody like that who can just come and play left-back because that's what we're crying out for. We've got about 17 right-backs and one left-back, haven't we? Which, But he's proven he can play left-back yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 so possibly one, yeah, I one for the squad. Against France in a semi-final. But yeah, I, I get your point. No. Now, obviously, we've we've got a, a bit of a funny situation in the sense that we won't be together before uh, Boxing Day. Uh, we've decided not to spend Christmas with each other this year, uh, which has been a, a real shock to both of us. But we've decided to spend it with our families instead rather than talking about football. Uh, but actually, this year, the, the Boxing Day fixtures are a little bit, other than the 8 o'clock kickoff, Man United, Aston Villa, it's a little bit flat for me, isn't it? There's, there's not a huge amount of great excitement. Normally, the Boxing Day, there's, there's one big kind of real... But maybe at the start of the season, they looked at that thinking, man, you know, Aston Villa could be a chase for the Champions League, but obviously it hasn't quite panned out like that. But, but other than that, it's quite a, quite a flat day, really, isn't it? Mm, I think the, the Sheffield-Luton game, you know, probably not, not for quality, but for the outcome of the game, it's the, the relegation six-pointer, isn't it? I think that's, that's definitely a game to, to look at. I think Bournemouth-Fulham's a good game as well. Two teams on the up, both scoring uh, goals as well. I think that'll be a, a game full of goals. You're basically just saying I'm wrong. 
No, but no, but on the when you look at it though, there isn't fixtures which go bang and jump out to you, is there really? But I think if you do dig a little bit deeper, I think there is some interesting games there. Probably not exciting. Yeah, I, I just feel like sort of maybe the Thursday night is you know, like I say, it's, it, we've had the, the, the debate about the programming before as well. It's, it's definitely, but obviously it's going to be interesting mm. to see how uh, Nuno takes his Notts Forest team up to up to Newcastle. And again, if, if Newcastle have dropped any points against Luton, that's going to make that a massive game. Obviously, like you say, Bournemouth and Fulham are both teams that are playing football the right way, scoring goals. You know, even Fulham uh, without Jimenez still look, look a threat, which is interesting. Uh, but let's, let's, let's just spend a long show. I was just about to say, I don't know if you're going to mention this. I'm going to say, I'll give you a shout now for the, the result in those in that game week. Though. I think Everton will beat Man City. Don't know if you were going there now. Well, well let's, 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 let's do that. Because actually, Everton are on a run. That is, I can't even remember the last time Everton went around. Like, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and look at the stats. And again, you know, we we were wrong about the success. Well, I was certainly wrong about the success of Roy Hodgson. He did exactly what he was supposed to do and kept Palace up. And we were banging the drum. He's the right man. He's the right man. He's the right man. And and we were starting to question ourselves. I think I certainly was anyway. Uh, but man, the last six, seven weeks, Everton have just clicked. Haven't they? They've got a 5 four, one system that suits the players. Dominic Calvert-Lubin's come back. You know, Braithwaite, the centre back, looks like he's a 50, 60 million pound centre back already, already being talked about as, as being drafted into the next England squad. You know, what a turnaround for Everton. And, and it's it wouldn't surprise mm. me at all if they did beat Man City. Mm. I, I'm going to use the word fortunate, and I don't mean it in this sense. I feel he's a little bit fortunate. He's had Branthwaite come through at this time. Calvert Lewin seems to be fit for the first time in years. So I think he's almost had like a, you know, a period of time where all these things are going well for him. And I don't mean that it's fortunate for him. You know, he's obviously had to, to get to that position to be able to get him fit. You know, brings you have to have a lot of faith in youth to be able to put them in. And so it's all his own doing. Um, but I do feel a few pieces now are falling into place for him, which is allowing his team to flourish. It's always been a couple of good signings as well as a few times we mentioned, um, same the lad from Leeds who's on loan on the wing. Jack's his name. Jack Harrison. Really good signing that is. Um, so yes, I, you know he's doing he's doing an absolutely unbelievable job there. But all these pieces are now falling into place for him, and you know he's he's absolutely deserves yeah. all of that because he's he's led them to a position of safety. And and actually, I think his his style of play is really suiting this team don't, now don't as well. Don't you think that if any team deserves a bit of luck, it is Everton? Though. Like, you know, it feels like they've been. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the perception in that. But I just feel like they've, they've had bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. And, I, and I've got a. Uh, and I was going to look at it beforehand, so I haven't had a chance to look at the odds. But uh, my prediction is that Everton will make Europe this season. Interesting. Well, if they haven't had ten points to see from, then they were only a few well, points off, aren't they? But so, but I, I, I think right. they get. I think they get their ten points back. Yeah, by the way, that's, that's part of the reason behind it. Do you? Okay. Interesting. We'll have to have a look. I'll have a look and tweet it out for you, so it's out in the on the internet. So if it happens. It's on you. And if it doesn't happen, it's on you. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a shout. It's a shout, isn't it? It's a shout, which not many people will think. And if it doesn't happen, nobody's going to go, ah. Oh. Because it was clearly, you know, it's a it's going to be a big price, isn't it? What do you reckon you yeah, get? I, I, 50 I, I, to 1? I've not looked, mate. I, I, I genuinely, it just hit me this morning while I was, I was having a quick look at some stuff. Uh, obviously, Man City mm. will come back from... Uh, Wherever they are, I don't know where it is. The World Club, I've got no interest in it. Even I think it's a, a completely pointless no. exercise. I wouldn't mind if you know if there were some other big teams out there, but they made the final. Uh, you know, hopefully Harland will be back. Doku, I'm not sure how far he's away from coming back. But uh, do do you think do you think that Man City are that bad, or do you think that everybody else has just got bad? Nobody's scared of playing Man City anymore because you know tuning up against Palace. At home, you know, last season, the season before, that just ends up being 4 0 or 4 1. You know, they don't give away two goal mm. leads, do they? For me, it's a combination of things. I think when, when Haaland is out, that fear factor for me has gone. Um, De Bruyne has been out for so long now, he's almost a forgotten man. So that fear factor has gone as well. They seem to be conceding goals after goals. They were a team in previous seasons that you could rely on for clean sheets just based on how much they had the ball. Now, teams seem to be hitting them on the counter and scoring at will against them. Like I said, they're, they're conceding a hell of a lot of goals. So I think the general fear factor around them has wore off. Um, I don't think, you know, you still look at Man City and go, what a squad. But 
teams aren't scared to have a go at them anymore. Whereas last year, you had a go at Man City, like I said, it was 4-5-0. So, yeah, I mean, and just the form that Everton are in, I, for me, they're a previous bogey side of, of Man City as well. They always ended up beating them in you know past five or six years. I remember quite a few victories via Everton. So I think that they could just be that side again and just pull off another win against them, you know, in really good form, scoring goals. Man City seems to be conceding them. Just looks to me like a, especially I'd imagine what the odds are going to be. For me, it's a bet to nothing really at the odds. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be very interested to see. I tell, I tell you who a player to keep an eye out on is uh, Nunes. He looked like he was on fire yesterday in, in the game. Matthias Nunes, uh, obviously he's been brought in for a particular reason. I, I think uh, I think he's going to have a very good back end to the, the, the season, which they're going to need. I, as I said to you before, I've alluded to. I, I think that Messi is about to go on their run. Uh, but you're right, they do look very much a different team without Haaland up front, don't they? Who wouldn't? And, yeah, yeah. and let's be honest, any team in yeah, any team in the world wouldn't. But like we mentioned it previously about Garassi from Stuttgart. They've had Alvarez, but he's not that same level of threat, is he? And it's very hard to have two players of that of that similar threat, but you take him out the side and you also put the conceding goals, they just look a bit shaky to me, which is no surprise they've conceded goals and have and have gone on a run of not winning games. Yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens with Man City when they come back. I think you know Pep's very much bigging this up as being uh, a, a great experience, a great trip for his team. He's talking about you know good sleep, good food, massages, you know relaxation, uh, which you know if true would be interesting. But obviously, as we know, all of that travelling and they are still playing football. Uh, generally speaking, it does cause some, some problems for teams. So. Uh, what we're going to do is, is we're going to do our, our, our predictions and I think what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll separate them out into two separate lots. I'm not sure if you've done the, December, uh, sorry, the, the Boxing Day fixtures, but, but but let's focus on the here and now to start off with, Fran. And obviously, as we've alluded to, we, we kick off with the Derby Palace versus Brighton at Sellers Park on Thursday night. Uh, how do you see that one going? I've got this Palace 1, Brighton oh, 1. I thought you were going to say the same. I've got Palace 1, Brighton 2. Uh, I think Brighton will just have enough. Uh, Aston Villa, uh, if ever there was a home banker, this has to be Aston Villa, Villa Park. Fortress, as they call it in the football game. Uh, it's one of the, it's become one of those mm-hmm. cliches now, isn't it? Fortress uh, versus Sheffield United. How do you see this one? I see this as Villa 3, Sheffield 0. I see 3-1. I see 3-1. Uh, a really interesting game because I don't know what to make of either of these two teams, if I'm honest with you. See how they kick off on Saturday. Uh, West Ham uh, host Man United, both very close in the league. Obviously, Man United come off the back of the the, the, the famous nil draw at Anfield. West Ham, great result against Wolves. How do you see this one going? Got this as West Ham 1, Man United 1. I can one. see that. I can see that. But I'm going to go with West Ham 2, Man United 1. Uh this is a really interesting game because they both play football the right way. Uh, Fulham hosts Burnley. Burnley, really, this is the sort of team that Burnley would be looking at as, as a potential for some points. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, by the way, but you just would. If you're looking down that, that strategy board, you'd be thinking this is a game where we could get something. Uh, how do you see this one going? Fulham host Burnley? So I've got this as Fulham 1, Burnley 0. I would have gone a bit more, but um else is out. Yeah, suspended. Three two Luton. Three two big scoring game. Three two. Three two Luton. Fulham, sorry, it's because it's the next. It's, it's, yeah, it's because it's the next one down. <laughs> uh, I got ahead of myself. Sorry, yeah. Fulham three, Burnley two. Uh, having said that, okay, uh, it wouldn't surprise. Anyway, Luton host Newcastle. We've talked about it. We we know all about it. So at Kenilworth, at the Kenny. Uh, Newcastle get their chance. The Newcastle fans get their chance. To take that picture of the entrance. Yes, that is the entrance. Uh, Luton host Newcastle. What you got? Got Luton 1, Newcastle 2. I've also got Luton 1. I've got Newcastle 0. That's right. Okay. Luton are making a comeback. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Luton 1, Newcastle 0. Uh, Notts Forest uh, start the new Noah Espirito Santos uh, train journey, uh, hosting Inform uh, Bournemouth. Uh, Obviously, the city ground, not the county ground. The city ground, uh, hopefully, will be jumping in support of, of their new manager or certainly they'll be showing their, their respect for their old manager. How do you see this one going? I have got this as Forest nil, Bournemouth 1. 
Yeah, I think it will be to Neil, but I've got Bournemouth scoring two. Uh, he's going to need a bit more time. They're definitely the forwarding, that's for sure. Uh, but I, th- I think you're right. I think I think that's going to be uh, an away win. Now, we've just bigged up Everton. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting clash of styles, really interesting uh, clash of managers. Uh, they travel to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They play Spurs at the 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Spurs obviously just beating Notts Forest. You know, again, 2 0 looks relatively comfortable, and it was for the most part, but there were certainly a couple of moments in the game where Forest looked like they, they, could, they could do some damage. Everton are on this great run we just spoke about. How do you see this one going? I see this as a draw. Spurs 2, Everton 2. I, I, I'm actually... Yeah. And just, uh, just, just, just on that Spurs-Forest game, how good is Vicario, by the way? He's, he's arguably... It, when you, when you, if you, if, if, the best... Best yeah, goal. And if we if we did the ten top signings, which we could do at some point and not do this in future, he'd have to be in the mix for the summer. The top top, top ten signings of the summer. It just gives you ultimate confidence as a defender. Some of the saves he's pulling off, he's phenomenal. But the interesting thing is that like Hugo Lloris has been one of the, the best goalkeepers, you know, of the last ten, fifteen year French World Cup winning goalkeeper, all that jazz. And he was gifting goals away left, right and centre. And Vicaro comes in and he just does the basics really well. He just does the basics really well. He's good with his feet. Mm. You know, again, remembering that David Raya was the one that was 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 he signposted to come in. The numbers weren't right. Spurs went and got himself. And at the time, I remember the Spurs fans, what the bloody hell are they doing? Like, who is this guy? Who is this joke? And even the James Madison interview with Ben Foster that's out there from from, from a couple of weeks ago, he said, yeah, no, I had to Google him. I'd never heard of him. No idea who he was. Uh, so, yeah. It just shows mm. talent ID, as we've said a thousand times, is, is really, really important when you're signing these players. And again, if he was playing for Man United, uh, that would have been a much better use of their money and the, the extra money they could have gone and got some other players that, that would be helping the team out because, yeah, he looks, you know, the yeah. deal makes that deal look even better. Uh, mm. That save he yeah. made with his yeah. legs was just no, phenomenal. Absolutely, Great yeah. I think it's, it's a, yeah, whatever, well, as we know, Spurs have taken the Brentford and Brighton uh, methodology for transfers uh, moving forward, and they've just stolen the the Aston Villa head of recruitment, haven't they, etc. So, be interesting to see what Spurs do in January. But yeah, I just for reference, I believe this will also be a draw. I can see Everton causing Spurs some real problems, and I also think it could be two two as well. So, uh, genuinely, I've got that same as you. The big one: Liverpool, Anfield host Arsenal. Uh, Liverpool got a battering for the atmosphere. Uh, apparently, the atmosphere wasn't electric on Sunday. They've got they've been battered all over social media and everywhere else for the atmosphere. So uh, I'm sure they'll be turning up for this one big time uh, because they're not expected to win. I think as well. You know, in, in in reality, I think that you're right when you said that everybody probably took it a bit easy. So Liverpool host Arsenal. How's this one going? I'm going the same again. Two. Okay. Absolutely. This is a flip of a coin, so I understand why you're going for a draw. Uh, but I'm going to go home crowd advantage. I'm going to go in the hope that it's an absolute Christmas cracker. See what I did there? Uh, I'm going to go Liverpool. Sorry, I've caught myself by surprise how bad that was. Sorry, <laughs> just got to take a second. I'm sorry, uh, Liverpool three, Arsenal two. Uh, okay. And then the final one of this round of fixtures, uh, a team that I can't predict. I thought they were going to go and beat West Ham last last week. Uh, Wolves host Chelsea. Uh, this feels like the type of game that Chelsea might struggle with, a team that are well-organised. Having said that, and Kunku came on last night. Uh, and I do believe he's the key to Chelsea turning it. I do believe that he is going to be an absolute force when he comes back. Uh, but how do you see this one going? So I'm going to go Wolves 1, Chelsea Wolves 2. Wolves got a very good home record currently. I'm going to go Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. Uh, now, from that, we have to pick a £5 challenge. Uh, now, this week, uh, I'm going to donate my winnings uh, to a charity for Christmas. Uh, unfortunately, charity don't get excited because they don't win. Uh, and that's... <laughs> that's not Lucky being, them. That's not me being horrible. But that, if it wins, uh, and it'll be the first time this year that it has... Uh, I am going to donate the money uh, to a local charity uh, in the hope that it does someone some good at Christmas. Uh, but we'll come to you first. So uh, I think you've said you've gone for a, quite a big juicy one this week. So maybe you're taking off after me a little bit. 
Yeah, fifty to one. So I've just gone with some of the draws that I've um, I've predicted. So I'm going for West Ham, uh, Man U draw, Spurs Everton, and Liverpool Arsenal draw. So those three draws in your treble gives you fifty to one. Fifty to one. Wow, well, that's decent. Uh, okay, so I've gone for a fourfold that beats that. Fulham to beat Burnley. Luton to beat Newcastle. Bournemouth to beat Notts Forest. And Wolves to beat Chelsea. 80 to 1. Uh, so, uh, and it'd be hard to do it if that wins now, wouldn't it? I'd have to give £405 away to charity. But uh, it, it is what it is. That's what we said. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have oh, to worry gosh. about that, mate. <laughs> Mind you, cash out after your last one where it was what a thousand to one or whatever it was, and at half time it, they were all coming in. Cash out could be your your friend. Well, here. let me tell you, I'm, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it this time. I'm not going to I'm not going to let the wife sucker me into any decorating this weekend. No chance. I'll be sitting there waiting with the cash out button. As soon as it gets past twenty quid, I'll be cashing out straight away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, friend, uh, as always, mate, my favourite hour of the week. Uh, I just like to say uh, to to you and your family and everybody else out there uh, wishing you all uh, a fantastic Christmas. Uh, I hope you have some uh, amazing family time where you make memories that last a lifetime. Uh, enjoy it. It's what it's for. Even if you're not really into the whole Christmas thing, you know, take some time to to, to, to relax and uh, have Bailey's at 11.30 in the morning or whatever time it was when we started this. Uh, yeah, I hope you and your family have a great Christmas, mate, and I hope everybody out there also has one as well. Thank you very much. And the same to you and your family uh, as well, mate. If they want to reach out to us uh, over the Christmas period when they're bored of listening to their, their, their dad jokes, well, certainly my family will be bored of listening to my dad jokes uh, and the Christmas crackers have finished, uh, where can they reach out and find us? So they can go on to Twitter or X and they can search for The Atmosphere is Electric and you can send us a DM, reply to any of our tweets, that sort of stuff. Um, but if you want to listen to the pod, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, just search for The Atmosphere is Electric. Um, there's loads of episodes. You don't just have to listen to this one. Go back, listen to any of them. Um, but the main thing as well is if you do like it, please rate the show five stars. It really helps us get the, the show out to other people and grow the audience. Stuff, well, uh, one final time, mate. thank you for everything this year. Really enjoyed it. Uh, happy Christmas to yours and we'll see you on the other side.